everybody. <clears throat> All right, so uh, hi, everybody. Uh, my name's Beshoy, uh, you know, uh, and uh, pleasure, pleasure to be up here talking to you. So today uh, I'm going to talk uh, about, it'll be a continuation of, somewhat of a continuation of what we talked about the past two weeks. And the past two weeks, uh, Irini gave a, uh, you know, a, a masterful set of presentations about decision making, right? And she told us, you know, there's four questions you want to ask yourself anytime you make some, anytime you make decisions. And we wanted to dive a little bit deeper into that and think about what is it that God really wants from our decision making, right? And because there's so many ways we can get to the end point, right? We can kind of fumble around until we get there, we can take the wrong direction until we get there. And there's, there's some decisions that are just incredibly difficult. And then you question like, why do I really need to do this? God knows I'm the kind of person that would do this. So let's just get to the, let's just get to the point. Uh, so the question really, the, the question that we really need to ask ourselves is, do, do we know what God is looking for in our, in our decision making? And you know, which then begs the question, it can be every decision, can it? I mean. Like, you know, I, I was debating whether I should wear black shoes or brown shoes this morning. Surely God doesn't care what, what shoes I wear this morning. Uh, but is it every decision? Is it some decisions? I'm sure he's, he's a busy guy, right? So if I, if I didn't have time to think about every single decision that I, I'm going to make. And maybe he does care, but then if he cares, he probably knows what decision I'm going to take. So what's it matter? Right? So... What does it matter if, if he knows, right? And, and he should know everything I'm going to make, right? I think so, right? And, and what I want to do today is I don't, I don't want to necessarily start talking about a debate of free will, right? Because, you know, Buna told me I only have 25 minutes to talk. So, uh, I, and I promised him 25. So, uh, but he's not here, so that, which, which I can go over. <laughs> so it really goes back to a paradox that we've all kind of heard of, right? And it's called the omnipotent paradox. And there's many, many ways to present this paradox. And one of my favorite ways is the question of, can God build a rock so big that he cannot break it? Right? And so this is a bit of an unusual paradox because, and you may think, well, what does it have to do with decision making? It has a lot to do with decision making because if you think about it in the context of decision making, it's, it's a question of, well, God knows what I'm going to do. He, he made me. He programmed me. He knows the type of person I am. He knows if I have a short fuse. He knows if I get angry easy. He knows if I stink at math. He knows me. He made me. Of course he does. So why do I have to go through all these decisions? Because he's going to know what decision I make anyway. And, but then if he doesn't, then why doesn't he? I thought he was all powerful. And this is this unusual paradox sometimes that we have to, we have to think about. So, and again, I don't want to go into a, 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 a debate about free will. And there's you know, a lot of good things you can read up on that. But what we will do instead is, I wanted, to, I wanted to study decision making from both a scientific and a biblical perspective to really get down to the roots of what is a decision, why do we go through it, and how do we execute that decision. And then biblically, there's so many good examples. And we can pull from those examples. That's right, I mean, the Bible is not a, it's a great history book, uh, but, but all, the, all, the, all the stories are not fairy tale endings, right? And there's a lot of loops and several roller coasters. So maybe we can learn a thing or two from that. 
And then the question of then, well, how much freedom do we really have in our decision making? And, and we'll talk about that, and we'll also pull up some, some really good examples, both biblically and, and from my exciting life. All right, so I'm going to consider one example. So Sunday is a big day for us. And the most important decision I have to make on Sundays are what treat am I going to get from that basket back there after church, right? So sometimes I want to go with the chocolate chip cookie. There are times when I'll, t I'll take those overly sweet fig bars. And, and maybe when nobody's looking, I'll probably take both. And uh, you know, so it's, it's, uh, it's a tough decision for me, right? But the, but the cool thing about this decision is I have complete control, right? I could take one, I could take both. You know, I, I do get to do whatever I want to do, right? So I thought to myself, well, I, there, I mean, I have absolute free will, right? God, there's no, I have the autonomy to do whatever it is that I want to do. And so I thought, all right, well, let's actually think about something a little bit more serious. But we'll stay on the topic of food. So my wife, who, who, who's my amazing wife, who had three, three of our three, our, our three kids, you know, we, we go on this beautiful journey of pregnancy. And, you know, every, every man in here, hopefully, knows that. If, if you don't, you know, you know, get ready for it. And, and, you know, it's a beautiful journey until at 10 o'clock she tells you, run to Wendy's, I want a baked potato right, right now, right? And, and so you start to think about, you know, and I would tell her, I'm like, baked potato? Why do you want a baked potato right now? Or, or, whatever, or whatever that specific item was. And it's just like, well, I just want it. I'm just craving it. I'm like, okay, is, is this your decision? Nope, I just want it, right? So I'm like, there's no way you can just inherently want something and you didn't make a conscious decision to want it. And then you start to realize that, well, there is a little bit of truth in that. Because if you look at it scientifically, there are automated features that God built into our bodies that kind of make decisions for us. And that example of the baked potato is, a, is actually one of them. And, and you may think, well, this is crazy. What, what does that have to do with decision making? That decision making, is, is that choice that, you know, she wants a baked potato or whatever the item may be, that is a, an automated mechanism in a, in a female's body that during the first trimester, she, her body, to defend the, the, the fetus, will stay away from food pathogens. And because you don't want any of the tetragens that can, infect, that can affect the baby and affect the organ growth. So what happens is your body starts to want food that have high antimicrobial properties like salt. And that's why naturally your cravings are for salt. And you'll see that, especially during the first trimester, you see a lot of that. And that's really just kind of an, automated, an automatic feature. And I started to think of this, and I was like, well, what other automatic features do we have? Are there any others? And I found that there's a lot, actually. A lot of these decisions that, we, that kind of arise where we cognitively want something, a lot of them are, are occurring because that's, our, that's how our body operates. And God essentially built our body to operate that way. And you may think, well, well why? I mean, what's, why would you want to protect the fetus during the first trimester? I mean, what's that to God? And when you start to think about it, you're like, well, God really cared about children. And it's littered all over the, you know, all over the Bible where God talks about babies. Where, where in Genesis 128, when Moses is writing God's instructions, he says, be fruitful and multiply. Right? So obviously, 
He wants us to bear children. He wants us to have a lot of children. Or in Psalm 127, when David is explaining, when he's talking about his son Solomon, right? Or, or even in John 16, which I thought this one was really impactful, because John 16, uh, as, as John writes it, that, that was his last teaching. And during God's last teaching, the way he explained how the disciples will go from sorrowful to joyful is, is analogous to a mother who gives birth how she goes from anguish and sorrow to joy. And I thought that was really impactful. So what I started to do, I said, well, let me look at all these examples where we have these automated features, so to speak. And I'm going to see if there could be biblical explanations for them. And surely enough, you start to find that there is, there is biblical explanation, right? And it's because God wanted us to do something or God wanted us to operate in a specific way. So what that tells me is, okay, great. So God's going to help me with some of my decision-making so I don't screw it up, right? So he's going to allow my body or my mind to operate in a specific way so I don't mess it up. You know, and one example of that, for instance, is like self-conscious, right? You're self-conscious. Like where does that come from? Why does that get to you when you start to make a poor decision? Or when you're confronted with a decision that may be a bad, you know, you may take the bad one or... or you, 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 may take, or you may have to make a decision that's incredibly difficult. Let's look at an example. <clears throat> so the example I want to look at is an example I really like because it really, it really reminds me of my children. So the, the story of Jonah. Now, Jonah made a lot of really bad decisions. So I'll, I'll give a little bit of historical perspective and then we'll go into the story. So Jonah was located in Joppa, which is modern-day Tel Aviv, and God instructed him to go to Nineveh. And Nineveh's a few miles away from modern-day Baghdad. So he's done. Now, Nineveh's pretty interesting because Nineveh is the capital of the Assyrian Empire, which is the sworn enemy of Jerusalem. So he does not want to go there. Obviously, Jonah's preference is let them continue to do the bad things and, and, you know, uh, we'll see what their fate holds for them. So God tells Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. So there it is. Now you have a decision to make. It's Jonah. Uh, Jonah did not, dis- he didn't elect to make no decision. He didn't go and drag his feet, but he did that later. Uh, or he didn't just reject outright. Well, what did he do? He, he said, I'm going the opposite way. And actually, in fact, he went the more treacherous way. And we'll talk a little bit about that. So he goes to Joppa, and you can just imagine, and I'm pretty sure this is, this is probably accurate, is he probably went to the, you know, he bought a fare for a, 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 a ship ride. He probably said, take me to the furthest possible place, west. Because, you know, when he went to Tarshish, that's actually the furthest possible place, west. And it's a very dangerous track because if you go through the Mediterranean, getting to Tarshish means you have to go through this area called Gibraltar, which is just a 13-mile wide area that separates the Mediterranean from the Atlantic Ocean and nobody went through the Atlantic Ocean and survived back then. So this guy was willing to just go the complete opposite way because he had no interest in doing what God told him to do, right? And when you look at the story of Jonah and the whole all four, all four chapters, he goes, decides he doesn't want to listen, and then when he's spat out by the whale, does he, he, doesn't really, he still really doesn't want to go, right? And so he goes and he drags his feet takes his time, and if you remember from chapter 3 in, Jonah's, in, in the story of Jonah, 
he goes to Nineveh, and do you guys remember how long his, his talk was in Nineveh? It was one Hebrew sentence. He said, uh, Nineveh is going to be overtaken. And he got up and left. So he said, there, I did it. You wanted me to talk, I talked. And he waited outside the city, right? So, I mean, talk about a guy who just really did not want to do, just went the opposite way, and then when he had to do it, he just did bare minimum. And now you can see why I say it, it reminds me of my kids. All right. So Jonah was a guy who, who just did, really didn't want to take the decision, the right dis, decision. And what's amazing about it, and a bit ironic as well, is God was merciful to him the whole time. Right? He was very patient with him. When Jonah jumped out of the ship and said, I'm just going to die, you know, he saved him when he waited outside the city and said, let me die. He was very merciful with him. And the irony is, Jonah, if you read in chapter 4, or, uh, Jonah was frustrated with God because he himself was too merciful on the Ninevites. So what, what we learn from this story is, m make the right decision, and God will be with you as you take the wrong routes. On the other end of the spectrum of that are really tough decisions, like sacrifice your son, or what Job had to go through. I mean, just incredible amount of just commitment there. And when you look at these stories, God knew Abraham would sacrifice his son. But why did he make him do it? That's a difficult decision. That's a really difficult walk up that mountain to know, here's what I'm going to go do. Right? Or, or Job, all the pressure he had from his three friends and his wife that says, hey, like, God's not helping you. You, know, you, need to, you need to turn away from him. That's a really tough decision. So you start to think about that. And you start to see that God really doesn't interfere with our decision-making. Right? So yes, we may make the wrong decision, like Jonah. And he may know that, okay, you love me so much, you would sacrifice your son for me. But he'll let you carry it through, obviously in Abraham's case, not, not till the end, but he'll let you carry out your decisions. And this is really, really well explained in, in His Holiness, Pope Shenouda's book, Ten Concepts, and in one section he talks about freedom. And what he says is, if you look at the United, if you look at the United States, which is really the, 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 the most free country, so to speak, you have free will to do whatever you want, but you're held accountable based on the decisions you make uh, uh, when, you, when you exercise that free will. And it's very similar, and he's exactly, it's, it's probably a really good way to put it because you do have free will, and God will not interfere with you. But you also have to pay consequence for that free will. That comes at a price. And that price is, well, what decisions did you make? So, God, so what I've learned, you know, hopefully we learned up to this point, is we, God gave us the freedom to make our own decisions, <clears throat> even if we make a lot of wrong decisions along the way. And he also allows us to make the hard decisions, even the ones we know uh, he knows what the answer is, if he knows what we're going to do. He still allows us. So then that begs the question, well, why? Right? Why? Why do we do that? Why do we have to go through that? Is, is it because he wants, a, wants us to worship him? Uh, is this what this is all about? That he wants evidence that if you do this, this indicates to me that you worship me. No, it's, it's not the case, right? Because we're not forced to worship God. At no point are we forced to worship God. 
Uh, he's the Alpha and Omega. He was here before humans. He'll be here after humans. Uh, humans are not needed as a prerequisite for worship. Uh, if nobody worshiped God, he wouldn't be a lesser or higher God. It's not impact to standing. So it's not about worship so much. But what, let's see what the Bible tells us. <clears throat> so let's look at this passage that Matthew wrote. And I like this one. I like the, the way Matthew put it, because, you know, Ma Matthew was a tax collector. So, so he's a very matter-of-fact kind of guy, which is, which is how I think as well. <clears throat> and in this, it was a, probably the, I, what I would think is probably the most heated debate when God was on, when, was on or Jesus was on earth. And it was a heated debate in a Jerusalem temple. And they, they, you know, they're arguing with God, and you, as you recall from the story, they tried to tempt him. He, he ignored them the first couple of times. Then the Pharisees approached him, asked him a question. He quickly dismissed them with his response. And then the Sadducees, who are these the wealthy folks, the governing class, came to him and tried to question him as well. And then, you know, he, 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 he made them look foolish, and then they regrouped and sent a scribe who's a lawyer, and nobody likes lawyers. And th this lawyer comes and, and says to him, all right, well, what's the most important commandment? Right, and you, you probably remember this. He said, what's the most important commandment? And so this is a really important response that Jesus is about to give him. And the response that he gave him was, most important commandment is, you shall love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. Obviously, this is not the first commandment as written, but he's telling him, you shall love the Lord. <clears throat> and I thought this was an interesting statement because he says, you shall love the Lord. So this is not an imperative statement. It's not a, you will love the Lord. It's not a, you must love the Lord. He's telling him, you shall love the Lord, right? He's giving you the option to worship him, right? So it's, it's on you to decide if you want to worship him or not. And what we learn from that is, as God gives us the, the freedom to make our own decisions, we realize, well, he really doesn't need us then. In fact, it's us that need him, right? I mean, I'm not forced to worship him. He's no lesser of a God if I worship him or not, or no greater of a God. His standing doesn't really change. And he never really forced me to worship him, right? So what you start to realize is, in fact, I really need him. He doesn't really need me. Jonah needed him, right? And if you look at all the tribulations that Jonah had, or if you look at Abraham and Job and, and what he was able to do for them after their, their challenging tri tribulation, and what we realize that is if you really do love him, then you're going to follow him, right? And you're going to make the decisions that he tells you. So when he tells you go to Nineveh, you go to Nineveh, whatever your Nineveh may be. Uh, or if he tells you to, to, to sacrifice, you sacrifice whatever that sacrifice may be. So we'll follow him either way. And when I talked earlier about well, what's the why, like, why would we do this? Why, why, why is he telling us to do this? And like we said, it's not about worship. Ultimately, it's, become, it's because you need to work for your fruit, right? The fruit of your labor, that labor is your day-to-day -day conscious decision-making toward God. That's, 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 and, and that is really what's going to lead to that obedience toward God is really what's going to, to give you your rewards. You look at Abraham's rewards and what he was able to do. You look at Job's rewards and how he got multiple more of what he had than before, right? Or, 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 or 
Jonah's reward, you know, even though Jonah was, was, was pretty upset throughout the whole story, right? So you could start to see that you need to make difficult decisions. You need to make hard decisions, right? You, like I said, you need to go to your Nineveh. So I want to end on this, and the, really the premise of the lecture today that I wanted to give you is I wanted us to remember that every decision that comes in your life is an opportunity for God to tell you to take advantage of it. Take advantage of it so you can earn a reward. You could take the wrong path, or you can work on that one decision for a really long time, and we've seen multiple examples, but it's ultimately for the result of taking that reward that he has, that he has essentially put aside for you until you make that right decision. All right, so I hope I'm within my 25 minutes. Uh, I probably talked so fast, I probably went within 25 minutes, but uh, thank you, and, and we'll, we'll stand up for prayer. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us here today. Uh, we ask you to place in our hearts and our minds uh, the teachings of today and help us in all our decision makings. We ask you to continue to be with us during all our trials and our tribulations and remind us of all the rewards you have for us and that your never-ending uh, uh, care for us and, and Hear us, Lord, as we humbly say to you, our Father who art in heaven, be thy name, thy kingdom come. Amen.